the, John's first letter focuses really on three things, believing, belonging, and behaving. And today's passage deals with all three. This is 1 John, the third chapter, starting at the 16th verse. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. How does God love, God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods and sees a brother or sister in need and yet refuses to help? Little children, let us love not in word or speech, but in truth and action. And by this, we will know that we are from the truth and will reassure our hearts before him whenever our hearts condemn us, for God is greater than our hearts. And he knows everything. Beloved, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have boldness before God and we receive from him whatever we ask because we obey his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment that we should believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he commanded us. All who obey his commandments abide in him, and he abides in them. And by this we know that he abides in us, by the spirit, by the spirit he has given us. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Oh, Lord, may my words and may our thoughts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Are you abiding in truth and love? The 23rd verse of this third chapter of John's first letter sums up two major themes in that gospel of John, belief and loving others as God has loved us. So listen to that first one more time. And this is his commandment that we should believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he has commanded us. Believing in Jesus is central to the most familiar, most loved verse in John's gospel. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but have eternal life. And also in the 14th chapter of John, Jesus said, Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. But if you do not, then believe in me because of the works themselves. And that love theme, well, remember when Jesus issued a new commandment in John 13, saying, I give you a new commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The late preacher and writer uh, David Bartlett has written that our reading from 1 John addresses three things. First, the grounding of the commandment to love, and second, the manifestation 
of that commandment, which is to say, how does it show up? And third, the guarantee. That we, the faithful, can actually live true to that commandment, to love one another. Well, first, the grounding. The 16th verse says that we know love by this, that Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Remember in John's Gospel, Jesus said, no one has greater love than this than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Well, secondly, the manifestation, the 17th and 18th verse. How do we show God's love? Well, first he tells us how God's love is not shown. Not by withholding help. How does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's good, sees a brother or sister in need, and yet refuses to help? Now, wait a minute before you go thinking, I would never do that, not me. Think back to those times that you and I have blamed the victim. You know how that goes. What a bad choice, bad life decisions they've made. What a stupid thing they did. Anybody that made that choice deserves the consequences. It's their fault. You ain't going to see me bailing them out. Well, when we decide to take care of me and mine and the rest can fend for themselves, we are seeing a brother or sister in need and refusing help and not showing God's love. Back when I was in, oh, about the second grade, the church that my father was serving in, Douglas, Georgia, a little town in South Georgia, just about the size of Smithfield, they gave him a high five for Christmas. It wasn't one of those new stereo outfits. That would have taken another whole unit and a bunch more speakers, but a high five. And we had two records. So we played them over and over and over. Well, actually we had three. Somebody sent us one, but it arrived, you know, hard vinyl in those days. It arrived in 40 pieces and they wouldn't play. <laughs> but one of them was a Christmas record, so it was wonderful. But the other one is what I still think of as Christmas music, the soundtrack to the movie, Oklahoma. Well, we memorized all the songs and you hear them over and over. The one that was funny to me as a second grader was a song about poor Judd's funeral. Even at that young age, I'd been to a whole bunch of funerals. We didn't have daycare and nurseries, you know, everybody went to the sanctuary. That's what, what you did back then. And not a one of them was comical at all. Well here, Curly, the main character and sort of a character, not just the main character, he was a character himself. He was painting a picture of the funeral of what this scoundrel judge, what that funeral would be like. And Kent Curly said, then the preacher would get up and say, folks, we are gathered here to moan and groan over our brother Jed Fry who hung himself up by a rope in the smokehouse. Then there'd be weeping and wailing from some of the women. Then he'd say, Judd was the most misunderstood man in this here territory. People used to think that he was a mean, ugly fellow, and they called him a dirty skunk and an ornery pig stealer. And then they sing a little bit, but the folks who really knew him know that beneath those two dirty shirts he always wore, there beat a heart as big as all outdoors. <laughs> and Judd, they're going over this as, as big as all outdoors. <laughs> and he go on, Judd Fry loved his fellow man. He loved the birds of the air. 
He loved the beast of the field. He loved the mice and the vermin in the barns. He treated the rats like equals, which was right. <laughs> and he loved little children. He loved everybody and everything in the whole world. Only, only he never let on, so nobody ever knowed it. <laughs> well, that's not the way we need to love folks. We need to love people in ways that show, ways that they will know. Not just with words, but in truth and action. I had a relative at family reunions every year. Oh, we love you so much. You love and hug and kiss you. And, oh, we just love you so much. And then you wouldn't see or hear from them until the next reunion when you'd hear that same talk. And maybe they did love us so much. But, you know, not so you could tell. <laughs> It was just words. Well, love is made manifest. That is, love shows up in truth and action. Love is a verb, an action verb. And the third thing, the guarantee, the, the guarantee that we the faithful can actually live true to this commandment, to love one another. Because if you think about it, there are a whole bunch of people kind of hard to love, and most of us are some days. The guarantee comes in the last couple of verses we read. First, we had the two commandments. First, that we should believe in the name of the Son, Jesus Christ. And second, that we love one another just as he commanded us. And then there's the guarantee. All who obey his commandments abide in him. He abides in them. And by this we know he abides in us and by that spirit he has given us. John explains in the next chapter of this letter how we're able to love each other. But that whole business of abiding, one of the fellows uh, I'd like to read, Ron Allen, has said, we do not appease God by obeying the commandments. It's a matter of God graciously enabling us to love one another and therefore to please God. It's Christ abiding on us. That's what enables us to keep that commandment. Not because we're good enough or we try so hard to be loving, but, but God enables us to do that. Well, that business of we love because he first loved us. Now, have you ever noticed, have you ever noticed how much I like to ask questions? <laughs> well, some of that might be from the newspaper work I did along the way. No, not the paper route when I had that and the twice weekly county paper when I was about 10 or 11. But the high school and college and city papers I wrote for and then in my work as a psychologist, I ask many, 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 many questions. One time I was doing a psychological evaluation on a young man whose background had been awful. It had been an awful nightmare of misfortune and mistreatment. And yet somehow he had a disposition, an outlook on life I would call sweet-blooded. He had every reason to be an angry, closed-off, defensive, mean person. But he was a wonderful young fellow. 
So I asked her. I said, you've lived through awful, terrible things in your life, and yet you're so positive and at peace. Somebody, somebody had to have loved you when you were a little boy. Who was it? A great big smile lit up his face, and you know what he said? My grandma. My grandma loved me. You see, the way he had been treated most of his life would train most people to hate and to wear a face that showed nothing but hurt and anger and despair. But his grandma loved him, and that love shaped him. I think it saved him. You and I, we can love. We love because God first loved us. Now, the 15th chapter of John's Gospel describes this relationship with Jesus that's called abiding here. John quotes Jesus giving the command for us to love one another and then says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. So let me ask you a personal question. Are you a friend of Jesus? Thanks be to God. Now may the God of peace who brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, make you and me complete in everything good so that we may do God's will, working among us that which is pleasing in God's sight through Jesus Christ. To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.